Welcome to the Enduro Method podcast. Enduro Method is an online strength and conditioning program built for those who ride by those who ride. We are professional coaches dedicated to building the best and most revolutionary off the bike training for dirt bikers around. We are offering a special discount for our podcast listeners. Use discount code EMPODCAST22 for 50% off your first month. For more information, head to the description of this podcast where you can find the discount code and a link for more information and to sign up. Today on the show, Dane gives a quick injury update and recap. At about the eight minute mark, we go into energy system training, how we categorize them in our Duro Method programming, and what adaptations and overall benefits we are looking to get out of training each one. And we're live. Welcome to the Enduro Method podcast. Dane here with Josh. And we're here to talk today about energy systems and why they're important. But first, a little update. Uh, For those of you who maybe don't follow me, for those of you who do, you know that I had a pretty decent laceration to my left flank. Um, Did that at the Bent Night Brawl in Billings. Um, To answer some of the questions, what happened, Um, Basically, I was walking down one of the hills. I was walking my bike down a hill. Um, And the hill is really steep, I guess so steep, and maybe a little too much front brake on my end that the, uh, I what is that, endo? We Mm -hmm. went ass over tea kettle. The bike went ass over tea kettle, and then I, I mean, it was wet and muddy, and I think I might have lost my footing too, but... The bike and I tumbled, and somewhere along the tumbling, um, the I believe it's the foot peg, sliced the crap out of my side. Um, and yeah, I, I guess lucky it wasn't worse. Um, to answer the dying question, yes, they were stock foot pegs. They were not the fancy ones, although maybe it would have been a cleaner cut if it was the fancy um super sharp ones but yeah stock foot pegs um yeah just tumbled down it's actually funny i feel like i um made the mistake of watching uh, who's the supercross guy dean wilson i made the mistake of watching dean wilson's video (laughs) uh prior to this event as when it happened I heard him describe what happened to him and then when it happened to me although he lacerated his his butt and severed veins um, and almost bled out and I lacerated my hip definitely not as deep as his by any means but (laughs) foot peg laceration so it felt like that like hot the hotness felt that but then I was paranoid that I was gonna bleed out (laughs) because I had just watched his experience and I was like oh no it's the same but um there's no veins running there luckily and um there was actually not a lot of blood I don't think um but yeah big shout out to uh the race promoters Evan Ask and Matt Musgrove with U.S. Hard Enduro they did a uh, fantastic job of getting me, getting me out of there safely. 
Um, I luckily had my phone on me. Um, so I actually had my phone in my uh, trail bound front pouch thing. Um, so I was able and luckily had service. So we, they were able to call Evan, um, had his number in my phone, called Evan. Um, super grateful for that. I also actually had a med kit with me, just a small one, which I would normally wouldn't take on a race, but I'm really glad that I did. Even, even if it was, I mean, the gauze that they provided in there wasn't, I guess, as big as the wound, but there was enough pieces that they were able to like put something clean on it um, versus maybe, you know, my shirt, which would have been maybe not as clean. Um, so yeah, you know, it, I know there's not a lot of room in a race to put a med kit in your bag, but maybe consider it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I know the guy that was there close on scene, he's, or one of the guys, I don't remember which one, but, um, definitely ordered one after that. <laughs> he told me he did just because he felt so helpless. Um, so interesting thing for sure have them on your big rides races if you can sneak it in there somewhere on your bike or on you apparently they can come in handy unfortunately um but yeah uh went to the uh they were able to get me out and ambulanced myself to i didn't ambulance myself they put me in an ambulance to the billings hospital luckily a very nice big hospital there in Billings. And luckily, actually, somebody was like, how far out were you? I was like, actually, it was really close, considering, you know, where a lot of races are, you travel pretty far. It was pretty quick, um, which I'm also really grateful for. And um, I don't know if you hopped on this podcast to hear about my injury, but you are. <laughs> if not, you can just skip ahead until you hear me stop talking. Um, yeah, uh, went to the Billings Hospital, went to the ER, then they did, went to the OR, where they cleaned it up and took off the flap. I had, like, a flap that actually looks like a penis in the photo. <laughs> um, took off the flap, put me on a wound vac. I was on the wound vac from whenever I got out of that Sunday night. All the way until Tuesday, staying at the hospital. Tuesday morning, I went in for a second surgery where I um, had the very fortune to have them. They cleaned it up again and then were able to sew it closed, which is like best, best, best case scenario, what I'm finding, um, that they were able to stitch it closed. So super grateful for that. I think his name, his name was Engelhart. Shout out to Inglehart Doctor. Sorry, I'm tapping the table. Doctor in Billings. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and now I'm sitting here in stitches. No, I don't know how many. But feeling pretty good. Not in a lot of pain. It just feels tight and it's starting to itch. So, yeah, shit happens. Okay, that's the end of my saga. I don't even know if anyone wanted to hear that, but people keep asking me about it, so there it is. Yay. So what do you got? Where are you at now? <clears throat> um, I, so this is 
May eleventh. <laughs> Not even close to thirteenth. May eleventh, and I um I see the doctor again in another like uh, a week basically. Um, where he can maybe take out stitches, maybe not, maybe some, just depends. Um, but yeah, right now I'm pretty, have to lay low because I don't want to bust out the stitches. And yeah, so exercising wise, I, I don't know. Yesterday after the doctor, I went straight to the, it was in a town nearby and I went straight to their, it was the Planet Fitness and did the leg extension machine and leg curl machine because I hadn't done anything in a week and it felt so good. Um, so I'll probably just do kind of that stuff, like small lightweights, because you know me, I have to do something. I can sit on the spin bike, so I'll be doing a lot of that. Stationary bike. Hopefully riding. I should be hopefully riding if not there at the Dirtastic Clancy clinic um in May. So hopefully fingers crossed for that. Should be maybe a little I think I'll just have some really tight skin. We'll see. Anything you want to add about your thing? Uh, yeah, sure. No. Intro. That was an eight and a half minute intro. Apologies. No, um, I think we'll just get into it. All right, on to energy systems. So, energy systems and why they're important. Um, it's important because it can improve how your body functions. Um, I would say that they're never, there's never, it's not black and white. You're always kind of using all of them all the time. So as you go through or as you think about this or listen, just keep that in mind. I'm not ever talking about ones just shut off like a switch and then the next one's on. They're always bleeding in to each other. It's just depending on what you're doing, you're emphasizing or you're using one more than another one. Um, and then from the other thing to bear in mind too and even when you hear other people talk about this, there's a big difference in performance uh, versus like longevity. So when we're talking about maximizing performance, we're not talking about maximizing longevity. And when we're talking about maximizing longevity, you're not talking about maximizing performance. They're very different. From a longevity standpoint, there's one system in particular that you could that you don't really need to train in that much if ever because it's so stress producing but if you want to maximize performance you're going to have to spend some time there because it will dramatically help improve performance um but again from a longevity standpoint it can add more stress than is potentially worthwhile uh, it's kind of like when you hear people talk about diets and if you're listening to somebody, somebody talk about dieting from a standpoint of increasing, let's say, the, the uh, general health of like the United States average person, that's a completely different diet than if you want to talk to somebody or listen to somebody talk about maximizing athletic potential. So context really matters in that stuff. 
All right. Um, so basically, there's three main energy systems. You got your anaerobic alactic energy pathway, ATP-CP system. So adenosine triphosphate, creatine phosphate. Then we got anaerobic lactic system, which is also referred to as glycolytic. And then the last one is the aerobic system. Within these systems, there's a bunch of different breakdowns and people have a bunch of different labeling on them um, for kind of time frames. So for us in our, and I'm gonna refer back to how we program for Enduro Method a lot in this. So just bear that in mind as well. If you listen to somebody else talk about it, they may have more categories, less categories, but in general, it's all the same. And then it just kind of matters on a time scale where those things break down. But we're trying to keep it, for us, kind of keep it pretty simple. Um, I used to have this built out way more and just found it was almost too much information. And it was, it got pretty nerdy. So we've actually kind of regressed it a little bit. So starting with the first one, the anaerobic alactic energy pathway, ATP CP system. Um, this would a lactic so without the presence of lactate this system lasts anywhere from zero to 10 seconds typically I'm gonna say zero to 15 seconds just for ease of um, and again these time frames don't get too hung up in them it's really because you'll find zero to 12 seconds zero to 10 seconds zero to 15 seconds what's important to note is to train this system, you need to be working really, really hard. So uh, a great example of this system is a 100 meter sprint. Like all out, 100 meter sprint, 100% effort, that's gonna tank this system. Um, we also, so lifting heavy loads, right? Lifting weights like back squats, front squats, deadlifts, all these things, training, that's gonna fall into this energy system. It's fuel that you have built up in your body. And we should note too, ATP is what we're talking about here. So ATP is the currency of energy, right? We split ATP, we, we get contractions, we release contractions. That's what these systems make is ATP. So in this first energy pathway, you basically have this stored in your body and it is immediately accessible. But once it's gone, you're out. And then that's where you start to bleed into these other systems they take over to take to make up and give you more energy, ATP. So first system um, in our programming, we call it build. So that's our strength work and ignite, which is same energy system, but what we use for doing conditioning work, either uh, flywheel, bike, sprints, stuff like that. Um, when we're the main things we're looking to improve in this system would be nervous system motor unit recruitment. So type one, two, type two A, type two B, how they work together. So muscle fibers, how they work together. The best way to increase motor unit recruitment and congeniality is to lift heavy weights, right? We're trying to get Ty things to work together. Type one, A, A, whatever, those are muscle fibers. Yeah, slow twitch, fast twitch, essentially. Um, turns here. Yeah, yeah. So we're trying to increase rate coding, right? How fast they turn off, how fast they turn on. 
think of like a light switch in a room. The faster they turn on and off, the more power you can recruit, the faster, right? Um, architectural changes, so hypertrophy, right? High strength to mass ratio. We want cell changes that make the muscle more efficient at generating force, transmitting force, and producing force quickly. Tendon and stiffness and increasing the gradient of tendons. Stiff on the bone end, more pliable on the muscle end. This is going to help transmit forces quickly with less energy lost. So where we got tendons attaching to bone, we want that to be very stiff. Where we got tendons attaching to muscles, we want that to be a little bit more pliable. But the better that's connected, the less bleed through the system we're going to get. Uh, mechanical adaptations create physical breakdown of structures so they can be rebuilt stronger. Hence again, strength work. We want to express more power and movement. As individuals get stronger, they're able to express strength faster and in a more coordinated fashion. So you could think, let's say you got, we're trying to move a car, right? You got a car at a parking lot. See if you can relate this to dirt biking. Just hold on for a second. Okay. So you got a car in a parking lot. You got five people pressing on a car. But we're like trying to move it. it. Yeah, but no one's pushing in the same direction. Oh, we got shit pushing. Somebody's pushing from the front. Somebody's pushing from the back. We got two people pushing on the sides. Okay. We want to organize all those people so everybody pushes in the same direction. Yeah. Right. Hormonal effects. We got positive changes in biomechanical, emotional, and physical stress due to trying to overcome large resistance. And then similar to the last one, muscle coordination, improve intra and inter muscle coordination. So those are the main adaptations we're looking for in this system. Um, one thing to note on this is that you can't really extend this timeline out. So you get like 10 seconds, roughly, right? Give or take a couple. That doesn't change. All the training in the world, you're never gonna have this much energy this quickly for 40 seconds. It just doesn't work that way. So what you can do though, is help train your body to refill that quicker. And then through that, if you, if you back off that intensity ever so slightly, let's say as an example, we, we worked up to a one rep max back squat, right? So a back squat, one rep max is probably gonna take three to four seconds to complete somewhere in there. Right, down under control, stand back up, you might have to grind it out. So let's say a fairly strong but untrained individual could, could um, they could do 300 pounds on the back squat one time. The goal of building up this system would be to come drop that down, work up to 300, take 90% of that, so that'd be what, 270? And then do, you know, one rep every minute on the minute or one rep every two minutes let's say you know until you can't do it anymore so that the untrained individual hit 300 drop down to 270 they might not even be able to do it one time they might just be smoked and they might not be able to do that weight for another week a couple days somewhere in there a more trained individual will come back knock out that 90 percent maybe they get you know four or five reps done over the course of 10 minutes so you can kind of improve the battery of that system, if you will. And that's a, that's a major player because we do want to be able to put out hard effort and recover from it. How does this apply to dirt biking? 
the stronger you are, the less effort you got to put into picking your bike up. So kind of back to that example, bike weighs 250 pounds. Do you need to lift one rep maxes to achieve this, that? To get stronger? Yeah. No. Or to hit no, this no, no. energy system? No, no, definitely not. I'm not, uh, if it sounded that way, that wasn't the intention. Um, but you do need to lift heavy weights. Like lifting 10-pound dumbbells for 30 reps is not going to get... Is, is not going to move the needle. It's not going to make it that much stronger, right? You'd be better off doing way higher weight for less reps, maybe 10 reps, and maybe working that close to failure. You're not failing. Technique's not breaking down, but it's getting really hard at that 10-rep range. Then you're working in the right area. So I guess on the point of this, for this system, our build work for Enduro Method, when we do strength stuff, You'll notice that's also why we have rest. When we do strength work, it's not for time, right? We want quality reps. Um, let's say it calls out for five reps. We need that weight to be heavy for you on that fifth rep, right? That weight's going to look different than, let's say, if you were doing 10 reps. It would actually be lighter. But when you got to that 10th rep, again, it would be heavy, hard, but doable for you. So we don't do a lot of percentage stuff. I know I throw that around just kind of as a, trying to give examples without you know being able to write it on a board or something. Um, but perceived effort's a great way to go about this stuff. And if you're doing a, a three rep back squat, as an example, we want those reps to be hard. And that's gonna be heavier than let's say you're doing a 10 rep back squat. Right, that's going to be a lighter load because you are doing more reps, but it's still heavy and hard but doable at the end of it. Does that make sense? So whenever we're doing strength work, we're always kind of looking to be in that in that world. When we start doing conditioning work with weights and you know, kind of your quote unquote CrossFit stuff, if you will, mixed modal conditioning, that's going to change things. Right? We're not we're not presenting those kind of heavier loads in that type of work. Right. Um, Ignite, again, still in this anaerobic alactic energy pathway. So again, without the presence of lactate, this stuff needs to be done at roughly 100%, 98% effort. Very, very hard. So best case for us, sprinting is probably the best there is. Sled work is great. Um, fan bike like an assault bike is really good what you'll find is that some of these other modes that are great for aerobic work or even um lactic lactic work don't translate as well for this all out 10 second effort uh a rower is an example like you have to be a really strong and really good technique on the row to be able to put out enough in 10 seconds but we start moving that timeline out to 60 seconds, two minutes. Rower is a fantastic tool. But there's just too much rest. I mean, you if you try and do as many burpees as you can in 10 seconds, like you can only go so fast, right? You can't go hard enough to actually 
put out the this intensity. This is the first energy system. Correct, that we're looking for in that 10-second window. The, like, in the other, with, like, cardiovascular stuff rather than strength. Well, it's without the presence of lactate, right? So we're I know, using... but I'm just saying, we were talking about build, now we're talking about ignite. Yep. Right, which, again, for us is anaerobic lactic. Um, and we don't do a whole lot of that programming. Not I mean, a whole I lot. I know we don't do it in the gym. Well, and you, one thing, though, to keep in mind is that build is that system. We also do some ignite work. Hill sprints are great. Regular sprints. Again, sled work. Um, but it is it does become a little bit of an equipment issue. You know, if you're inside like a Planet Fitness, they frown upon sprinting across the floor as far as I know. Mm. <laughs> like end to end. So uh, we do kind of try and monitor that and keep an eye on, you know, what works and what doesn't for folks. Um, all right, next system, we got anaerobic lactic energy pathway or glycolytic. So this system starts to take over when we're running out of the first one. Right, it just kind of bleeds right into the next one. And you can think of this as a bridge from the alactic system to the aerobic system. It is an unsustainable amount of work. So again, that's very important. It's a very high output, but it is unsustainable. And it kind of starts to fall off around the three to four minute mark. And if you were looking at a graph, it is not a linear line, it's a curve that's going to curve down as the duration extends out because you cannot sustain the power. So a good example of this would be go run uh, 400 meters for time. The likelihood is you're going to start way faster than you finish, even though you're going as fast as possible. Yeah. And it's extremely painful like it's one of the worst things ever and but that's this system right so it's can produce way more atp than the aerobic system but not as much as the atp cp system it's a bridge in between but it's also in the presence of lactate so very hard effort um Primarily, primarily uses lactate as fuel. It's not lactic acid. Lactic acid is not a byproduct of intense work. Lactate is. Um, usually starts around the 15 to 30 second mark, ramps up, dies out around the three to four minute mark. Very pumped, very painful. Um, that extreme intense burn that associates with this system is I think where that lactic acid thing kind of came from. It does feel like it, but that is not the case. So, how does this relate to dirt biking? This is this is a system, the one I was kind of referencing earlier. Performance needs to be trained. Longevity really doesn't. So, I'm going to kind of go over the adaptations, and hopefully it'll make sense. So charge pathway, we call it charge in our training. So anaerobic lactic energy pathway, glycolytic pathway. It's unsustainable method of energy production. In the short term, it's upregulate ATP production. 
adaptations we're looking for, the main one is a stress adaptation. It's very stressful in the system. Very hard work. And it's miserable. We're training a metabolic response. It's a bridge between the anaerobic and aerobic system. The effectiveness depends on what is what it is being done for and with. And the main the main thing of this system is it's like a booster to the aerobic system. So the aerobic system, which we'll talk about next, is like the underlying thing for for all this. So the better the aerobic system, the broader the base, the higher you can build your pyramid. But with this being that unsustainable amount of, um, or unsustainable system, you want to be able to tap into it, come out of it, and recover, right? So, uh, Bet and I Brawl would be a good example. You're riding at a high level for you for the individual, right? You're kind of maxed out, and then all of a sudden, you're halfway up this hill climb. And you got to get to the top of the hill. So, as an example, you're in an aerobic state. You're pushing hard, but it, you can maintain, right? You're breathing, you're working. All of a sudden, you almost fall over. I don't know, you do fall over. You got to pick your bike up before it tumbles down the hill or lands on top of you and takes you down the hill. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever it is, right? You got like, you go full on panic mode, fucking Rambo on your bike, get it to the top of the hill. You're definitely out of the aerobic zone now, and you're into this anaerobic state. You're pushing at a physical level that you cannot maintain. And at some point, if you tried to maintain it, everything would just shut down, and you'd be sitting on the side of the hill until you got your shit together again, right? That's kind of this system. But the other part of that is if you do make it to the top of the hill, or when you do get to the top of the hill, you want to be able to recover from that, drop it back into the aerobic stuff, keep pushing, and hopefully instead of just having one push, you have multiple pushes throughout the throughout the race, event, day, yeah. whatever you're doing. I mean, that's the thing I can relate to with this is like, yeah, exactly that. You're riding along and then all of a sudden you are pedal, like maxed out, whatever you're doing, pushing your bike, man, woman handling your bike, whatever, and then you have to get back on and ride again. Um, and being able to, A recover when riding right um and b recover enough that i can repeat that effort right um rather than like and then being able to recover better between efforts um you know like versus habit like i feel like i see people and it i see that those pushes build like accumulate on them like accumulate on their ability to continue riding at the level that they started at. Whereas I feel as though like, um, not all the time, but I feel like that's one thing that, that I'm good at is that I can continue to push, push at that, push those, whatever, what's it, anaerobic, alactic, whatever, push it. <laughs> anaerobic lactic. <laughs> push and then like keep pushing at that level while you know while it not having such an effect on my overall right you're able to recover from it yeah i have a couple more yeah so that's where this system but it bridges the gap right you can produce more atp with this system but basically at a cost it's not indefinite 
mm-hmm. and you will eventually tap out. Um, yeah, I think that one, I mean, I want to come back and touch on these across the board a little bit when we finish up, but next one, aerobic pathway. Uh, this, again, this is the should be the base of all conditioning work. The bigger the base, the better. Uh, there's a bunch of different, you got aerobic threshold, you got zone two work, you know, it's kind of endless on this. Um, for us, for Enduro Method, we break it down into grind, which we kind of grind is our shorter stuff, so three to 20 minute work. Uh, this is very aerobic thresholdy. It can be in the form of intervals, it could be longer effort, shorter effort, as far as, you know, up to that 20 minute mark. Um, usually stuff that extends out further than that. Like if we're doing, you know, up to 60 minute work or whatever we got, we call that a, a sustain. So any type of aerobic work, this is an oxidative system, grind and sustain. <clears throat> it's always repeatable in nature. So that does not mean it's easy. It just means that if you had to do it again, you could repeat it. And when you kind of use this language, it, it kind of makes sense, right? Because if, if you can't repeat it, what's that make it? It makes it unsustainable, which then puts it in anaerobic work. Now, all of this is different for different people, right? The more fit the individual, the more work they can do, the heavier they can go and make it repeatable, right? So they can do more work, heavier work and make it aerobic, which is the end goal of everything. Whereas the less trained or uh, let's, I guess, weaker person cannot do as much weight, cannot do it as fast to make it to still be repeatable, right? And if they try and bump it up to that other thing, then it becomes unrepeatable, which makes it anaerobic. So some of this stuff's a little bit self-regulating and just bearing this in mind when you are going through training and, and whatever, there's no right or wrong time there's no right or wrong weights it's it's literally how it's affecting you to then try and get in the right um paces and patterns and and weights right to make this stuff repeatable and then as you get better stronger fitter then you can increase the pace increase the weight and still make it in in the same manner so um energy pathway adaptations we're looking for well, one is, I mean, we evolved bipedally for a reason, right? So to cover distance. From a evolutionary standpoint, I mean, we basically, that's how we evolved hunting. It was through endurance that we could kill animals. Um, part of that's the way we expel heat, but that's a whole different thing. Uh, increases in capillary density oxygen needs to get to the mitochondria so the smaller the distance between mitochondria and capillaries the faster oxygen can get into the cell so one of the biggest things that we gain with training the anaerobic system increase in mitochondria density and a better network of capillaries which then is able to get blood to the muscle quicker and more efficiently you can think if you grow a larger muscle cell without adding more capillaries then you're increasing the distance between mitochondria. Without going on too many tangents, because it's hard not to, but this one's a, a very uh, interesting from a dirt biking point of view. I'm sure 
you've heard don't work out your arms because your muscles will get bigger and you'll get arm pump. Well, there might be a slight bit of truth in that. Most of it's bullshit, but the little bit of truth could be that if all you do is curls and you do make your muscles bigger, but then you don't work them aerobically at all, you could be increasing the distance between mitochondria and not having a good way, uh, network of capillaries. So you could not be getting as much oxygen as you need to the muscle. So there's a hair of truth in there, but most of it's nonsense. If you increase your strength of your arm, that means you don't have to hold on as, as tightly. And the less tight you have to hold on, the more blood flow you get, right? So at a certain point, when you're holding on to something, you're going to be holding on so tight that you occlude blood flow. So you quit getting blood flow to the muscle. When the muscle quits getting blood flow, it quits getting oxygen, which means you can't produce ATP, which is going to be the pump, which is going to be all the things. So if you increase your muscle size or strength of your arm, but then you also work it aerobically, right? So you practice, you ride your dirt bike, um, for long periods of time, you do some grip strength work, you hang from a bar, you, you know, deadlift, all these things, you're going to be increasing the capillary density and mitochondria density, which in the long run is going to be way more beneficial. And then the last bit on the arm pump is you just need to be in a better riding position, probably. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure, I know there's exceptions, top level, you know, if you, your position's dialed in and all this stuff, but like probably 95%, there's massive things to be gained. Um, and you should be working out your arms. Oxidative enzymes that increase with training the aerobic system. Yeah, but again, the aerobic adaptation, the main ones, mitochondria density, capillary density. You can think of capillaries like a river system, right? You got a main big river, and then you got a little tributaries coming off. The more tributaries you got, the more water you can get into the field, whatever. Same thing with blood flow, right? The more fingers coming off, the more surface area it covers the muscle, the more oxygen you can get to it. Um, yeah. Right on. Anything there? Mm-mm. All right. Um, I don't know. That was about it on aerobic. You said you wanted to tie it all together. Well, I mean, there are three systems. They're tied together. I think the... Um, What are your important takeaways? Important takeaways are build big aerobic base and get stronger. I mean, that's bottom line across the board. There's a point that is strong enough for sure for dirt biking. It's hard to nail that down exactly. Um, I mean, I'm working on trying to come up with some guidelines, but it is hard. We're not a competitive uh, gym sport. Uh, we don't have, I mean, look at military special forces, right? It's a much easier to come up with standard, you know, you should be this strong, right? 
um, dirt biking, enduro, hard enduro, whatever, motocross. Like it, it's not, it's hard to nail down an exact strength standard. Um, there's definitely a point that you're strong enough and you could focus on almost solely on conditioning and strength maintenance. I would say for the most part, I don't see a whole lot of that. Um, the more elite you get, I would say they're much closer, but down through the ranks, uh, everybody needs kind of everything. And that's where this, like what we shoot for in our programming is kind of wave loading through that, right? We focus one month a little bit more on strength. The next month is a little bit more work capacity and the next month is a little bit more stamina, even though throughout each one of those months, we're always kind of doing a little bit of everything. There's just a little bit more bias toward one of those things. Um, the idea of this is that you know it's kind of in the names but if you're not familiar for aerobic work on the really slower side of the aerobic work you're going to be using fat burning fat as fuel and your body's going to be oxidating that inside the body turning that into ATP as you increase in intensity you're gonna be shifting from more of a fat burning into sugar and fat burning. And then on the high end, super intense work, um, it's almost primarily sugar. So while you're doing this or thinking about this stuff, it is important to note that that's also something that's important. We're trying to teach the body. I'm sure you've heard that there's that term metabolic flexibility, right? It's kind of trendy right now. But all it means is that depending on how much output you're using or doing, you're able to shift from fuel sources, right? So somebody who's not metabolically flexible might have a lot, they might carry a lot of adipose tissue or a lot of fat tissue, and they really can't access that as fuel, right? They're kind of stuck in this sugar cycle. Right? Maybe they're eating a lot of processed foods, a lot of sugar, whatever. Um, and and they don't, their body doesn't even really use, tap into that fat store. And so it's important. And that's where, again, that aerobic work, the very low intensity kind of base building stuff teaches your body to use fat and tap into that as a fuel source. The thing with that is that it takes a little bit to ramp up, right? So... If you're talking about trying to teach your body to use fat as a fuel, high intensity hit training is not the answer. You're going way too hard, very short durations. You're going to use sugar. So that would be, you know, 30 minute walk, 30 minute light jog. Jogging might be too intense for some people. Could be a ruck, right? Throw on a loaded pack walk. I don't know, something like that. Could be riding your dirt bike at a very low intensity on very moderate trails. But the important part, if you are trying to do that, is to keep that intensity down. Because as soon as you start spiking the intensity, your body's going to start switching fuel sources. Because fat just, it doesn't produce enough ATP fast enough to keep up with the energy output. Um, so there's a whole bunch of other... You know, you can talk like aerobic threshold, anaerobic threshold, lactate threshold, VO2 max, all that stuff. And 
it's it's not that it's unimportant, but on some point it's kind of mute because to find these exact breakdowns or zones, you kind of got to go to a lab, wear a face mask where they can measure all this stuff. And it would be cool to do, but it's also expensive. You got to go there and do it, blah, blah, blah. And then you'd have to recheck it to see where the improvements are because the fitter you get, all these markers are going to move a little bit. So we try and do stuff to where you can just break it down by intent. Um, one thing that would be of note that we do talk about in our programming, I don't have a name for it yet. Well, there's a name for it. I haven't put it, put it in a category, but that would be zone two work. And zone two would be probably one of the most important from an aerobic base building standpoint. Um, so that would be you know, conversation pace, but the person you're talking to would know that you're working out. And that's kind of a great way to figure it out. Heart rate monitors are good for some of this stuff too. Um, my problem with heart rate monitors is that it, you shouldn't become completely reliant upon technology to feel like you're working out. So I think it's a good thing to check in with, maybe get a feel for what that feels like, and then I don't know, use it and then take it off and try and feel it out on your own. Um, yeah. There you go. Energy systems. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to add? Um, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I'm sure... It's hard because it's there's this side of it, which is more like applicable, and then there's the the deeper dive behind the scenes. Um, I think if people, if you're interested in that, there's some one great resource is uh, that is free and available online. Like if you watch like watching YouTube videos. Um, well, anyway, Training Peaks has a bunch of great info. Uh, Dr. Peter Tia, Drive Podcast. He has a lot of info on Zone 2 work. Goes pretty pretty deep with some guests on that. Um, Dr. Andy Galpin. Uh, if you go to drandygalpin.com, his website, fantastic resource for a lot of this stuff. And again, super deep dive from people who are way smarter than me on all this. And so if you want to get geeky, and learn exactly what's happening. Those are good things. Um, I don't know, I find it fascinating. I think it's great. I think from a, the most important part is whatever you do, you're able to kind of tap into all of these at some level. I mean, it does not have to be super progressed and planned to see improvements. You could literally sprint every week carry heavy shit from one point to the next every week move your body over distance pick stuff heavy up and down and go on long walks and you kind of covered a lot of it and then do something in like moderate duration that's really hard do something that's a little longer duration and sprint hit all those and you're you're kind of covering it sweet well, there. there you have it. Yeah, hopefully this helps a little bit. Um, I don't know. Let us know if you got any questions or let us know if it was helpful or if it was 
Or if you stopped listening yeah. <laughs> before this point in time. Um, yeah, thanks for listening to the podcast. Um, if you're on Apple Podcasts, whatever you're listening to, give us a five-star review. Or a review. doesn't have to be five. Five-star, man. Um, and yeah, hit us up on the social. If you have any questions, send us a DM or an email. And yeah. We will be at Donner and at Silver Mountain. Yours truly will probably likely not be racing unless I get a wild hair or something. Uh, Josh will be. And until then, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Ciao. Bye.